Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast, where we exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. I am Greg Krewick, filling in this week for Pastor Jeremiah Johnson. This is episode number 95, and alongside me for this edition of Verse by Verse is Mr. Rick Maynard. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm good. Great. So we are continuing the study of 1 Kings chapter 3? Yes. All right. Well, we are ready for you, sir. Okay. Okay. Well, we were in the middle of a story last week. Uh, uh, we said we were leaving it on a cliffhanger this week, so it's not like somebody can't go ahead and read the story and figure out what's going to happen, but uh, <laughs> or they've heard the story and they know what's going to happen. But this is, sure. uh, just briefly, it's a, uh, two women who've had babies three days apart. Uh, one of the babies dies. Uh, the other lady comes in and says that, uh, you know, you took your dead baby and laid it beside me, and then you took my live baby. And she's like, no, that live baby's my baby. So we've got this argument going on <clears throat> between two women, and they bring the case before Solomon. So uh, we talked about it's kind of an odd case to bring before the king, right? you know, that it would be that kind of dispute, but it really is a life and death, mm-hmm. you know, kidnapping or whatever you want to call it in our day. But um, uh, both women bring their case in. And of course, uh, you know, in those days you don't have DNA, you don't have, sure, you know, all of the things to try to figure it out. But both of these ladies, I mean, that says uh, previously that they were alone. So uh, there was nobody there. So anyway, the other woman said, this is verse 22. No, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. So both of them are arguing. They don't, neither one of them have any evidence to bring. Right. I mean, they have a live baby and a dead baby, but there's no evidence. The, uh, the lady with the live baby is making accusations. She doesn't really even know what happened other than she woke up, found this dead baby laying there, and then figures out that that's not her baby. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, and it's easy for us because we've already, we've heard this story before. So we kind of like, you know, we're mad at the one lady. Well, we've already prejudged. Sure. Uh, because we have the information. I said, uh, it's a little bit, these are kind of things like a lifetime movie. If you're, you know, I'm not into lifetime, but I'm too manly for that. That's, that's a, not a man thing. That's so. right. Um, but uh, you know, you don't have any way to figure it out. There's no evidence. There's no DNA. There's no anything. So uh, verse 23, the king said, this one says, my son is the, is, is the alive. Let me back up. The king says, this one's alive and your son is dead. Well, that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. So he's just uh, repeating back. Let me get this clear. Let me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong right. here. Let me repeat what you all have just uh, said to me. So um, it talks about, uh, in uh, we're not going to read it this morning, but it talks about Solomon's wisdom, and we've talked about this, you know, uh, prior to uh, this episode today. But uh, if you want to read, and we won't take time to, to stop and read here, but uh, chapter 4, 29 through 34, talks about Solomon's wisdom. And it wasn't just wisdom, I believe, that God maybe just gave him the intellect along with the wisdom. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people say that's two different things. Right. Uh, we do garner some wisdom by intellect. Mm-hmm. You know, I know things uh, because I've studied some things or 
because I've experienced some things. So it's not all just because God just magically gave me wisdom. Right. And, uh, but Solomon, in other words, it describes all kinds of things. He knew about plants and animals and the earth and, uh, you know, the things that he knew. And I, I probably look at that. I've known people, and I'm envious <laughs> of people who can just read an article and they know everything they've, I mean, they remember everything. Right. You know, they can read, in his case, if he read about plant life or or somebody taught him about plant life, he retained all that. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could retain everything that I had ever been taught, people really would think I was pretty smart, <laughs> you know. But I've forgotten so much of it. Right. And uh, so uh, in his wisdom, and I, I think about this too, you know, Solomon, and there was some talk, I think we mentioned it last week, there's some talk that Solomon maybe knew as soon as they came in. You know, there's an art to reading people. Sure. And sometimes I think I have that, and then I'm I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't claim to have it. I think I'm a pretty good judge, you know, and again, from experience, from, um, you know, just being around people all my life, yeah. I think I'm a pretty good judge. Sure. Within a few minutes of somebody, sure, and uh, and sometimes by look on their face, yeah, and uh, they look guilty. <laughs> it sounds like Mister Kelly Stevens has got that figured out. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. yeah. Him and I were talking earlier in a podcast this week on Modern Christian Dads about certain things and reading people. And he said, as a police officer, that's right. one of the things he figured out to determine his own safety. Right. So, right. Anyway, yeah, you have to see it. And I, you know, I get mad. I watch a few. Well, I don't watch anything on a regular basis as far as like court judge Judy sure. and people's court mm-hmm. and those kind of things. But judge Judy, I think is the worst for prejudging. <laughs> and maybe she has, I mean, I'm sure she does have experience, but I just almost feel sorry for people on there. Sometimes it's like, you're not even letting them <laughs> plead their case. Plead their case. Sure. You know, you've already decided that that person's lying <laughs> yeah. and now they don't even get a chance. And uh, <laughs> right. You know, and maybe she would say to us, well, I have the ability to read people. There you go. You know, and I'm right in the majority of the cases, so <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, he... And she's, she's got a TV show. Yeah, yeah she's <laughs> making more money than me, so she's, right. she's smarter than I am, I guess. But um, So verse 24, then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought the king a sword, and I, you know, you had to be... If you're standing there, <laughs> you know, you're one of these two mothers or... I don't know who else is in the room, but I'm sure it would be a sword. Right. What? You know, and I'm sure they probably never thought the next words were coming. No. You know, they probably thought, well, this is an illustrated sermon. Yeah. (laughs) You know, kind of, he's got a sword and he's going to, you know, show us something with the sword on how. But in verse 25, it says, he then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. And you've got to, those people had to have thought, you've got to be kidding me. Right. I mean, that just seems like, how is that a solution to the problem? And uh, I I don't know if I told this, because uh, we teach the same thing in Sunday school. We go through the class and, and talk about some of these things. But I saw a joke on Facebook here a while back where two women were arguing about a seat on oh, the bus. Okay. And the guy went up and told the bus driver, he said, you know, we're having a, we got a big issue back here because both these women are fighting over the seat. What do you want me to do? And the, the uh, bus driver says, well, just tell the ugly one they can have the chair. 
I said, both women stood up the rest of the trip. So, <laughs> so maybe nice. there's some wisdom, you know, yeah, in this nice. that we could use someplace. But, um, but they had a, you know, there was actually a, a law uh, back then about dividing something in half if two people are claiming it. Mm. So it was to the point that, um, let's see, I think I had it written down. Um, well, it was just called the law of dividing. Okay. So when two people came in and they both had a hold of a robe and both were claiming ownership to it. Cut it in half. Okay, if you guys can't decide, we'll cut it in half. Hmm. And, you know, the guy who really owned it might say, hey, I'd rather cut it in half than let him have half of it. There you go. And whether the guy needed it or not, or whether he was... Sure. But um, I'd rather have something than nothing, so I'll just take half of it. Maybe I can make something out of of half of it. And... uh, I probably should have tried that when I was raising my kids when they were younger. Right. Fighting over something, just cut it in half. Probably never happened again. Yeah. See how this works with two wheels instead of four. That's right. See how well you guys like to play with this. But uh, but anyway, they would just, you know, they would divide things in half. And mm-hmm. I'm sure nobody thought if these women came in with this complaint, they probably never dreamed that someone would talk about cutting the baby in half. Right. You know, so... Um, 26 and 27, the woman whose son was alive was filled with compassion for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, uh, neither I or you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. And it says, the King James says, for her bowels yearned upon her son. There was such an intense love for the son that she was willing to give him up in order to keep him alive. Right. And the other woman was willing to cut him in half yep. for the sake of not confessing. Mm-hmm. You know, all she had to do, and I don't know what kind of penalty, you know, it doesn't talk to us about uh, did they prosecute the woman who came up with all this scam or did they, you know, just let her go after he made a decision? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. We don't uh, have that information, but, um, but the King, uh, the other King James says, Oh my Lord, or on me, my Lord. In other words, I would rather, um, I'd rather it would be on me. I'd rather this burden of uh, guilt and everything else here. I'd rather it be on me than see my son die. Right. And, uh, we talked about it uh, last week. I talked about it some last night. You know, a mother's love for a son, I think, is a son or a daughter. But a mother's love is just different than a dad's love. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know we don't think about it, but I, I've said it before that a, a mother lives with that baby for nine months before the dad meets him. Yeah, that's, that's you know? true. Yeah. And so uh, there's just a an extra um, connection there, mm. I believe, with, with mothers. So... Um, let me, I, I always read this and I, I'm, I haven't done a podcast with you, but I always explain this to people that uh, when I teach, whether it's in a class or on a podcast, I always make sure that people understand that if I'm reading something, it may or may not be the scripture. Sure. So right. If I'm reading through, they can follow along, but then I'll find something someplace that is just an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. And, but I want to make sure that they don't think that I'm well, where do you find that in Scripture? It's not Scripture. Right. It's somebody's uh, thoughts on it. But so I'm just going to read this. This is not out of the Scripture, so don't go looking for it. It says, uh, The moment Solomon 
rendered his decision, a voice came out of heaven and said, She is the mother. No one could have any doubts after that. Some say that all Israel heard it, even those that were not present. So, uh, you know, I don't know that that happened. I, I would think maybe that the scripture would tell us that if it really happened. Right. But uh, I think the, the context of that is there being something there that people would really hear this story and understand. Because, there could, you know, the skeptics could say, well, what if he's wrong? Sure. What if that really wasn't? How do you know, in other words, that that was the right decision? So maybe there was some other indication. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. how that how that worked out. But um, in verse uh, 28, when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer uh, justice. It seems like a small... I mean, I know somebody's life is at hand, that baby's life is at hand, but it's not like some big capital murder right. case and all the witnesses and uh, all those things, but but for it must have been recognized as great wisdom. Mm-hmm. It says all the people in Israel heard about it. Right. So they heard right up front, and this is his first case. Some people believe, you know, maybe the day he came in, you know, and became king that this happened on that day. So uh-huh. I, I think, it, you know, God probably had to show yeah. the people, they could hear about his wisdom, but until they witnessed it, they had something right up front. Right. And then they had respect for him immediately. Right. right. As king. Sure. But yeah. says they held the king in awe. Um, and, and I just had written down, wisdom makes a man fear God. Oh yes. If if a if a guy has wisdom, you're probably you might fear him because it's like it's not going to do me any good to argue this point with him because he's too crafty, yeah. you know, he's <laughs> right. too he has too much wisdom and knowledge for me to argue now. You know, I can argue some things that I know something about. I can tell people, "Hey, don't fall for that. That's mm-hmm. not the way that works. Right. I've been there. I've done that. You know, right. I've I've sold real estate. I've been a paramedic. I know some about about medical field. I've been uh, a carpenter, so I know some things about building houses. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I don't know. You know, I won't tell somebody I know everything. But there's some things. It's like you know what, you can say that all day long, but that's not that's not <laughs> right. the way it works. Right. And so, uh, you know, there's uh, there's fear of a man with wisdom sometimes because like I might as well throw all my arguments out the window I'm not gonna mm-hmm. I'm not gonna win this he'll catch me off guard and and we see it I don't know how many times we've mentioned during this teaching about the politics of of everything but um, but this is very political this is going around of what kind of man he is uh, that he's so wise he could catch us off guard you know, we don't have that in our politics today right? because nobody's afraid of anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, they all stand up like they know everything. Sure. I mean, have you ever heard a politician say, I'm sorry, I don't know that? Or, right. You know, right. Yeah. I, I even catch Siri off guard. Or <laughs> Alexa, oh, really? You, know, you say, really? Alexa, what about this? And she'll say, I'm sorry, I don't know that. Wow. So even Alexa will admit to, <laughs> to not knowing. <laughs> so... Uh, so anyway, uh, this is all just a setup to David's uh, wisdom. It's just one story that we have 
uh, right up front. And most people have heard this story. Sure. You know, it's a, it's the greatest explanation. And if you want to read on, you read on chapter four. Uh, we're going to start into chapter four here, but um, you can read on to chapter four and find out a little more about what it says about him, uh, how people came from everywhere. It says they came from countries everywhere to hear about his wisdom. So um, we're going to skip through, and uh, this is kind of like when you're reading the Bible and you skip over the begats, you know, because it's like, I don't know those people. And, you know, you're welcome to take this and study through all these these guys who are part of David's entourage. Mm-hmm. But it would, again, in our political system today, it would be, uh, you know, okay, President Trump becomes president, and he names this guy to this cabinet seat and this guy to this cabinet seat, and this person's in charge of cooking his meals, and this person's in... Uh, you know, those things don't mean anything to us. We don't know those people. Right. And some of them in these first... Because it goes through actually 19 verses in this first chapter. It goes through, and all it's doing is talking about all these people that are part of his group mm-hmm. uh, that are doing things. So... So I skipped through that, not because any part of the Bible is unimportant, but mostly you'd just be sitting here reading yeah. a few scriptures sure. to somebody if you're reading those. So so I'm skipping through the first 19 verses. We'll move uh, into um, uh, verse 20. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. Uh, this is a... Fulfillment from many years prior, if you read Genesis twenty-two seventeen, it says Abraham's descendants immediately after, well, these are Abraham's descendants immediately after the Isaac story. So these words were spoken right after Isaac, uh, the incident with Jacob and Isaac. And uh, immediately after the Isaac story, it says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants at descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So, uh, this is um, this is a good time. This is a time when the country, uh, and again, you know, we try to relate all these things to our culture because otherwise, you're just reading a history right lesson, but. It, it would be like one of our presidents comes in, and, and we hear people have their favorite presidents. Oh, yeah. You know, I like this guy because he did this. I like this guy because he brought this law, uh, whatever. But a lot of it is about money. Mm-hmm. You know, who had the lowest unemployment rate? Who had the lowest deficit? You know, those kind of, when did we start more businesses? And, you know, it's mostly about money, but... This scripture says they ate, they drank, and they were happy. Uh, they were they were living in a condition where their numbers were increasing, uh, and and it says uh, by their numbers increasing, no one's taking their lives. Right, they're living in peace. Yep. So peace. Uh, and I and again we can get political, but I think it's another verse about abortion. Because it's talking about when times were good, when right. times were prosperous, no one was losing their lives. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about that. We think, well, abortion is a medical issue or whatever. But every day, and I don't have that statistic in front of me, right. every day 
Well, I saw a sign in town uh, that says every 24 seconds. 24 seconds. Every 24 I mean, seconds. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And, and they, but we want peace and prosperity. Right. Which they were having. But it also says um, they were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They were increasing in numbers daily. You know, we are decreasing every 24 seconds. We're taking a life out. But yet we don't want... We don't want that part of happiness and prosperity. And it's like, well, maybe if we got ourselves in line where lives were not being That's taken, right. where we're living at peace, maybe we'd have more prosperity, sure, more health. And, you know, because it says um, in, in Exodus or in Genesis, the verse I just read, it says, uh, all the nations on earth will be blessed. And why? Because you have obeyed me. Right. And so... They had come into an obedience. They'd come into a time when things were um, rough. You know, when Solomon first started, David hadn't done everything right either. Solomon comes in. He's got his problems. He's got his things that are going on. But but he's brought it to a point. Things are at a point where it says they were eating. Right. In other words, they had prosperity. Uh, they were drinking. And they were happy. They had right. peace, Right. in other words. And so... Um, with uh, this is a fulfillment of scripture. Sure, that's uh, that these things have come about. So, uh, verse twenty-one, and Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. These countries brought tribute, and were Solomon's subjects all his life. And this is, it's not just Israel and Judah. So it's not just the Jewish people, God's people. It says he ruled over all the kingdoms. So. He had become a man that uh, people wanted something from him so bad that they were bringing gifts to him. I don't know if it's, you know, Solomon doesn't need their gifts. Right. But it's still a, a kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, and again, I don't know how much they still do, but I can remember seeing um, when the president met someone from China, they would bring a gift. Sure to him and he would have a gift for them. Um, I don't remember what those gifts were, but something that was meaningful to the uh, opposing country or whatever you may, you know, whatever it was, I don't know, but, Mm -hmm. um, but not, not just all of Israel and Judah, but they brought gifts and I don't know if they were afraid of him. It's like, man, we better get in good with Solomon because, uh, you know, uh, we'll pay the price if we don't, right. You know, they were, um, well, we won't use the worldly terms for what they were doing, trying to trying to get close, sure, you know, to him. But um, and then what you know, what can we get in return out of this? But you know, in our culture and our politics, I don't know if I don't know if it's because we have more access or if things are worse. Mm-hmm. But you know, I can remember being a kid. I mean, when the president came on TV, I don't care who it was. When he came on TV, everybody turned their TVs on to see what the president had to say. Right. I mean, there was a an honor and a respect for the office, and that's what people don't understand. Right. Is there should be a respect for the office. Uh, a policeman, I shouldn't have to know um, his personality, whether he's a nice guy, whether he goes to church, whether he's saved. I should recognize people the fact that he's a policeman and have some honor for that. Right. And we've lost 
I mean, we've lost it in the police force. Yeah. We've lost honor for military. Right. We don't have much honor right. in our culture. Right. And we sure don't have, and I, and again, regardless of what some, somebody thinks about Trump or whoever the president is, we don't have people from other countries coming in and saying, I know President Trump is our president right now, but we don't have anybody coming over here and saying, man, you know, the unemployment rate is the lowest it's ever been. And I don't know that it is, so don't accuse me of fake news here. <laughs> but uh, making an example, if that sure. were the case, we don't have other countries coming in here saying, can I sit down with you and, and see what, how you have laid out this plan to, to get unemployment down to such a low level? Or, you know, somebody showing up from Korea to say, can you show me, you know, how to how to make my people happy in my country? They seem to be very happy in your country. Why are my people not happy? Right. What can I do? We don't have that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's way too much pride in, well, I don't need him to tell me what to do. Sure. And, and I believe, you know, we can say that about uh, politics, but I just think there are so there's so much of this in in Samuel and in the Kings uh, that should be an example for the church that people think they don't need the pastor either. Mm. You know, I don't need him. I can read my Bible for myself. Right. I don't need him to read the Bible. I don't need um, Rick Maynard to do a, a podcast mm-hmm. and listen to his podcast. I don't need that. I can do all those things for myself. And so I think there's a pride. And and pride will cause you to not have honor for right for people. That's good. If you've got pride, uh, if I have too much pride, I won't have honor for my wife. Right. I'm I'm going to think, well, I'm the man. Mm-hmm. You know, she should do what I say, and you know, and then even bring the Bible says right that she's supposed to be subject to me, and mm-hmm. well, all of that comes from pride. Sure. Because we think we know more than somebody or we're just as good as somebody. Yeah. And so having honor, I've brought that down many times, having honor for a president, for law enforcement or whatever, is having honor for the position of a pastor. Right. You know, um, I'm sorry, Pastor Jeremiah, but I may not believe and agree with every little detail <laughs> that you speak, but I honor the position sure. of the pastor. And I, we were talking earlier, I understand that, you may say something I disagree with, but the other 99% that I agree that's with right. is pretty good. Right. You know? That's right. And I'm sure you don't disagree with anything I have to say. No, oh, no. So you no. probably don't, you know, feel that coming from the other direction. <laughs> but, uh, and I don't know, he may not even listen to this podcast. I don't know that he really likes me well enough to listen to my podcast. But um, but anyway, they brought these uh, these gifts, and, and we'll read 22, and we'll probably wind it up here. But Okay. Uh, Solomon's daily provisions were 30 cores of fine flour and 60 cores of meal. And really, this is just uh, these next couple of verses are talking about, you know, how much he had access to. You know, we think uh, we read these stories sometimes and we think, okay, um, you know, Solomon's the king now. And these people are coming from other countries. And, you know, Solomon's taking care of Mm -hmm. his people and his soldiers. And, you know, we we just kind of simplify things. But. I think that's the reason some of these numbers are put in here to to make us realize just what it was that he was accomplishing. It's, again, back to the church, it would be like saying, um, you know, we have a thousand people in our church, and it takes, in order for us to have coffee 
on Sunday morning. It takes this many pounds of coffee right. to provide coffee for that many. And all of a sudden, it, it, it seems like it grows. If you just say, I have a 1,000 people in my church or whatever. But then when you talk about logistics yeah. of managing that, we went to the house of uh, prayer last night yep. or last week. Same thing, the logistics of that. You know, oh, you yeah. walk in there and just say, man, this is nice, and this is a great thing they're doing. But we don't have a clue right. about what it takes to keep something like that going. Right. And so I think sometimes those numbers are put in here just to to make us realize what it was that he was able to accomplish. So it talks about his provisions. Uh, the, the numbers translate. It's 75 gallons uh, or 180 bushels of fine flour. And I'm not a cook, but I think That's, I realize it doesn't take a lot of flour to... To right. make something right so 100 and these are daily yeah. provisions 180 bushels of fine flour so three score measures of meal would be 360 bushels of meal and then uh, and and if you figure that out in numbers and i'm just i kind of like numbers it, it brings something but that's enough meal for 29,160 men a day wow so that's 58,320 pounds of food per day. Wow. Now, Solomon may not be the guy who has to go to the kitchen, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> prepare all the, that food you know, and prepare it all, but um but he is he is overseeing sure that and he has to have the right people in place to do those things. So, we'll stop there. That's a a, a point that still goes on after that and talks about how much more, but we'll leave you with the cliffhanger again this week on how much it takes to uh, take care of that and the uh, the wisdom and knowledge that someone has to have to run really a business. 29,000. Right. So take, yeah. To feed 29,000 people a day. Right. I've been to Mexico when um, they did what they called the big feed. Uh-huh. And we went and barbecued, or not, well, yeah, barbecued chicken and oh, yeah. and beans and all that kind of stuff. And I think the most, I, and I could have changed since then. It's been years since I was there, but I think at one time they'd fed, you know, two to three thousand. Mm-hmm. And I think the goal was they wanted to feed the five thousand at some point. Yeah. And I don't know if that ever happened. Yeah. But we would set up and all day long, you know, and we're talking about you know beans in a pot over an open fire. Sure. That was probably thirty gallons of beans <sighs> in several pots. Yeah. And chicken laid out on just wire grills and cooked over open fire. And I don't know how many pounds of chicken. And, you know, it's pretty, if you stand and just look at the people, it's one thing. But then when you look at all that food that it takes to provide, and that was two or 3,000, 29,000 a day. Yeah. That you could provide food right. for all organic too, yeah, no preservatives. All, yeah. I bet that stuff go. was pretty tasty. No wonder they were healthy. Yeah, real food. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We will talk to you next time.